Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the only podcast that can look at a team that's undefeated in regulation, has gained five out of a possible six points, and find plenty of things to be concerned about. It's time to do a little bit of stargazing. Mark, hello. Happy Saturday. Yeah, happy Saturday to you. It's uh, it's about time. I think we get game number four tonight, so I mean, uh, it's, it's spoils, almost like it's right? hockey season. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, I, I, I was kind of getting used to this five days between games thing. It certainly was a lot nicer on my non-hockey-related schedule to have to worry about it. So we are going to have an interesting show today. We're obviously going to talk about the start of the season. We've got three games, plenty of things to sink our teeth into. We're also going to try, uh, Mark and I have been in the lab cooking up a brand new gimmick. We'll call it TV on the radio, but we're going to we're going to try something with some clips. So those listening, have, have YouTube handy or have your NHL slash cable company slash app approved version of the Stars replays handy. We're going to talk about a couple of interesting plays plays things that we've noticed this season and just generally we're gonna we're gonna take the temperature and see where things are at and and mark i want to start with with the broadest possible question like i said this team has not lost in regulation this team has dropped a single point right five of six despite playing the defending champion and what many expect to be a resurgent st louis blues team but yet we've got we think some things to maybe be a little bit worried about how do you like where we're at to, to bring jim nill into the conversation yeah, you know, all I can say is that thank God for Jake Ottinger, right? Every, everything this team has done has has fallen in his lap, and he's stood up and uh, and really done a great job. He's had odd man rushes that he's faced. Uh, he hasn't had a whole lot of offensive support. What we're talking about six six goals in uh, in in three games. You aren't going to get anywhere averaging two goals a game. Plenty of odd man chances. Yeah, it's been a struggle at times, but at the same time, they've fought their way through the struggle. So I don't, I don't know. Is, is this an expectations thing? Well, you know, in, in most cases, I would say if we're off to a 2-0-1 start that uh, as a Stars fan, I'd be pretty happy. And at this point in this season, I am happy. I like points, but the team hasn't been playing up to this Stanley Cup hype. That, uh, that you expect, and so you're going to take a look and say why. Yeah, I mean, I think the first answer to that is, you know, they got a, un- unfortunately, a vintage Bennington performance against St. Louis. And I, and I will say one of the things that heartened me is how many times in the past, Mark, have we seen the Stars run into an inexplicably hot goaltender and not get a result, right? And so my thought after game number one was, I, looking at the bright side, my thought was, well, hey, maybe it's progress for this team, to have to scratch and claw and eke out a positive result on those nights when like nothing seems to be working. Yeah. And, and not to, not to go to the absolute lowest care area of hockey. What do you think about overtime with the Dallas stars? This is something brand new. So even if they do get in a goalie battle, they may have a chance to gather that extra point. 
I mean, they haven't looked they haven't looked terrible, and and you could argue that they might have won either of those games. You know, Miro had a chance against Vegas, you know, capital C, <laughs> capital capital chance chance. Um, so yeah, I mean, there the the sloppiness, the you know, it has been sloppy and it has been rush heavy because three on three is, but there hasn't been the same futility to it, I think, as we saw last season. Dallas has been able to get possession. Dallas has been able to maintain possession. There's been some patience out of the forwards, you know, cycling it back into the neutral zone rather than forcing a bad shot that then turns into, you know, how many times last season, right, did we see them rush something and only to have it turn into a, you know, two-on-one or a three-on-one going the other direction and then lose, right? Yeah, and this year, I I think some of our... uh collective expectations were met very early on in game one against St. Louis when Yanni Hockenpah just gets absolutely walked to leave Ottinger there to make a one-on-one save. And it's like, oh yeah, well, we've been looking at this and we see defensive pairs and we have a puck mover and we have a defensive defender. And that defensive defender is, how shall we say, uh, potentially slow of foot. And oh, oh, look, this is exactly what we were warned about, and this is exactly what we're going to see. And and oh my God, the sky is falling, and we're going to have to live with this. And there's no way this is going to be a Stanley Cup champion team as long as we let this happen. That that is certainly right. the pessimist read of that situation. <laughs> well, and and that's kind of where we're going here because we're two zero and one. So in spite of all of this, we have a great goaltender, and uh, and we're finding ways to win. Yeah, and it's going to turn into, you know, long term, it's going to be a, an issue of like moderation, right? And, and we have, we even talked about this during as far back as Hitchcock 2.0, right? When it was Ben Bishop in the pipes. But, you know, we have talked in the past about sometimes to get the offense, you have to get a little bit looser defensively, right? And and if you have a goaltender like Jake Ottinger, that's, that's an advantage, right? That's something, that's an attribute you should be using in the same way as you double shift Jason Robertson or you create an, an elite five-man power play unit, right? It's having Jake Ottinger is an attribute of this team, therefore relying on Jake Ottinger yes, you, you want to clean it up and you don't want to go too crazy, but I would also argue that this is a team that is built to give some things up because giving those things up means they might generate more. You know, it's one of those like you're going to generate more offensively. And hey, if if you've got Ottinger, you might as well use him. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll go so far with that. But you, you have to wonder sometimes when it's that quote unquote defensive defender who's activating into the play and leaving your offensive defender hung out to dry on a two to one it may be designed to have the defenders activate but sometimes you have to use your brain a little bit and yep. and, and understand what the situation is and you're going to get a whole lot more out of Miro activating than you are out of Ryan Suter activating and you know again you can say the same thing for Harley and Hackenpah and and also for Lindell and and Lindquist I was gonna say going going immediately to a Miro Suter comp is I love that you're you're just rage baiting first thing on a Saturday. Well, morning. no, it's, it's fresh in my mind after looking at clips. And one of the last ones I was looking at was uh, was one where Suter had activated and left Miro out to dry. So it's it's just kind of sitting there. It's a, it's happened all over the place. Yeah. So I do I do want to get into we're, we we will get to the clips before we do that. I do want to talk just a little bit of basic statistics. I'm going to read you. I'm going to read you the top three. I'm going to start with points and then I'm going to ice time. I'm going to read you the top, you know, top couple of players in each of those statistics and just get your thoughts on what that tells you about the team. Um, Sound good? 
Sounds great. So when we look at the scoring leaders, right, through three games, it's Pavelski with three points, two goals and an assist. Haskinen with three points, one goal, two assists. Hintz with two points, one and one. Tyler Sagan with two points, oh and two. So reading and then closing out, I guess, the top five, then you get into a, a bunch of guys are tied with one point, right? So those are the multi-point guys. That's the top of the leaderboard. What is your first instinctive response to that list? Well, it's not too bad. Uh, uh, there's not a lot of points, I guess, is maybe my first yeah. reaction to that list. It's nice seeing uh, Rope Hints on that list, seeing as he missed the first game. So, so that's maybe a little positive. We're not seeing Jason Robertson, so that's a little disconcerting. One, but one again, assist so far this season, tied with Delandria, Sam Steele, the likes of that. So yeah, he's he's only had a single a single helper. Um, despite, I mean, he did score in the shootout, uh, but yeah, one helper. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll go and say, you know, things are odd. It's three games in. So Matt Duchesne is leading forwards in ice time and and he's two for two on the shootout. So we love Matt Duchesne. That would um, also I, pointless in open play. So do yeah. we, yeah. And, and Dadnoff is the same way. Um, no points to, you know, kind of looking at guys. So Marchment, Dadnoff, and Shane all sitting on zero points. Although Mason had the, it, it was correct, ticky-tacky, though correct. He did have the very nice deflection off of Wyatt Johnston that got waved off. So maybe Marchment has like partial goal credit because he certainly made a good play. But yeah, those, those three. Point, point 0.49 rounded, right? Yep. Yeah, there you go. But, uh, you know, it's it's early three games and especially like I think that the way the three games are distributed, right, playing once, waiting a week, playing again, I, I think is not exactly conducive to a, a team with new pieces coming together. So it's it's very much early and ridiculous to make any definitive assessments of Dallas's offense based on what we're seeing. But, you know, sir, I, I certainly circle those guys as I sit down to watch the game against Philadelphia. And those are some names that need to start hitting the score sheet for this team. Yeah. And, and I think the word that it boils down to is consistency because that's one thing that we haven't seen. You know, you take a look at the first game and, and really the, the top offensive line in the, in the first game was probably the Wyatt Johnston line. And, and then, then you move on down and you know, who, who is better in game two, probably, uh, probably the top line. Uh, game three, who knew what the fourth line might have been the best line in the in game three. Again, you need to start getting consistent, reliable effort because what we're talking about is a Pete DeBoer team that wants to roll four lines and wants to be fairly consistent in the impact that they can make. And so the theory is that you know defense uh, defense from the opposition is going to try and shut down whoever they think they can shut down but you still have that extra line or two lines that are going to take advantage of uh, of some of the defensive weaknesses that are brought against them and that's where the scoring is going to come from yeah and right so we have some seen point that. somebody has to take advantage of a bad matchup yeah i mean take a take a look against anaheim i mean you're, you're talking about a, a team that they had one defender who's making his nhl debut how many guys who were 20 or under uh, certainly some talent back there but this was not what you would look at and say hey this is uh this is a top defensive team and we made them look pretty good yeah especially early that game coming out of the first period was dicey at best it was one of those where where it's like okay yep 
we decided to show up in the second period and we did. And it worked that night, but you know, against a better team, it might not. And it's certainly something to your point. Again, it's three games. That's enough. That's a, that is a nothing sample as far as an NHL season is concerned. And a lot of these guys have track records and, you know, fast forward a week and it wouldn't be crazy to see Robertson sitting with, you know, three, four or five goals. Like there, there are some guys that could be very well be, you know, do they're they're getting chances. I thought, um, I think in particular, like Sagan has looked really good in the early season. His the entire sequence around Steele's goal that you know kind of started off the rush, worked the puck to Deshane, shot on net, rebound right around the back, like that that level of you know kind of committed, consistent within a single play, like the contiguous effort that eventually led to a, a Sam Steele tap in. So you know that is heartening. Um, Jamie Ben's goal is the sort of thing if you're. If you're at all worried about, you know, regression or age or anything, finally catching up with Papa Bear, that's the sort of thing you you watch on loop to tell yourself it's all going to be okay. Of course, Miro had three points against Anaheim, and that's the sort of like, okay, we're we're you know, you you can see it. Um, you get glimpses of it. Johnston has looked good in stretches, so you can kind of see how it might come together. And at three games, you're still willing to give them a little bit more leash. But it would be nice to to see at some point a, a 60 minute effort from you know from bell to bell out of this crew. Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right, and I think the weaknesses that we're left talking about are probably the same weaknesses that we were talking about before the season started. Yeah, you know, it's like okay, we we. We've kind of gotten to the point where after three games, we think that Duchesne and Sagan work well together. Uh, Marchment is somewhere, and uh, and but it's three games in, so let's give it a time to gel. Uh, the fourth line has looked fairly decent. I don't think we've resolved, uh, you know, whether whether it's Delandria, Steele, or Craig Smith, who's who's the odd man out. Uh, there have been positives from all of them, so yeah. Three games and it's, in. it's one of those stretches, right? Like in a month, it could look very different, right? If, if Vegas remains in the elite category of teams like we think they will, if St. Louis re- actually does improve and, you know, we mentioned Anaheim had a lot of talent and they eventually won the data. So this is also a three game stretch that with a little bit more data could could put it in a different perspective. Oh, wow. They they handled a pretty good St. Louis team and then they they almost, you know, they almost knocked off the champs. And then they did pretty, you know, they did well against a, you know, frisky. And, you know, this could this could look a lot different. It could also go the other way, right? If, if Bennington training wheels fall off again and, you know, any of those teams look troubled, right? We could we could learn something different, but we, we need to wait and see, I think, a little bit how um, how it's going to look in the grand scheme. One more stat, Mark, and, and this one's mm-hmm. funny because I'm going to read you the top five uh, Dallas's top five in terms of time on ice. And um, there's going to be some good news and some bad news. Do you want to take a crack at who's in it? Um, Miro, Thomas Harley, Essa Lindell, uh, Matt Duchesne, and uh, by a smidge, maybe Ryan Suter. All right. But that's going to be you close. Did, you, you did, um, yeah, you did, you did very well. And it's the, just thinking about, um, yeah, the, in terms of, in terms of time on ice, leader is Miro by a mile. 76 minutes, special teams, right? And then it's Miro, Harley, Lindell, Suter, Deshane, with Hawk and Pa, a whisker behind Deshane. And the interesting thing is if you adjust for five on five, Harley actually skips ahead of Miro for number one. And then it's Harley, Haskinen, Suter, Lindell, and then Hawk and Pa jumps Deshane. So if, if we look at overall, that's the list. And then if we look at just five on five play, we see a little bit of adjustment. So 
the thing that jumped out to me immediately, and I'm going I'm to go first this time um, because you went first last time, is mm-hmm. I was very heartened to see Harley at or near the top of both of those lists, right? We talked a lot in the preseason about Dallas's defense and what they're going to need and how they're going to get better. And all of those roads, you know, relied upon Thomas Harley, top four NHL defenseman. And so far through three games, Thomas Harley, top four NHL defenseman seems like something we're getting. Yeah, top two. He's he's probably been the biggest pleasurable surprise that uh, that has come out this season. He's yep. been great. He's been fantastic, and it's it's a surprise in the sense of you know we've seen him do this before, but it was in a you know six game cameo followed by a postseason run. So there's some some anxiety about whether that would be repeatable, and and they need it to be desperately. And so far, he has answered the bell and and just has looked. He just, you know, it's it's a cliche, but he just looks like an NHLer. Yeah, and, and I was I, I was poking through natural stat trick the other day, and it's amazing the numbers that Harley and Hockenpah as a pair together have put up. Their expected goal rate is is well into the seventy percent uh, positive range. Somewhat somewhat uh, less critical ice time than than Suter and and Haskinen, but the numbers are great. Yeah, and that's okay. It can be less critical, right? Yeah. We don't we don't need Thomas Harley to be Dallas's number one defenseman, right? They've got they've got Miro. What they do need is for Thomas Harley to exactly like we what you're talking about. They need Thomas Harley to manage a pairing and to to facilitate transition goals, et cetera. And, and he's done like you said, he's he has put up very good numbers offensively. He hasn't given up anything egregious defensively, and he's he's just settling in. He's settling into that role perfectly, I think. Well, and the nice thing is that you have Pete DeBoer back there who's doing some situational setups so that, you know, at, at certain points in games, you see Haskinen out on the ice with Harley on offensive zone draws. So I, it's nice to see that kind of flexibility coming out there where we can utilize the offensive talent that we have. And to tell you the truth, you know, it, it's not like you're throwing out offensive defenders who – uh, kind of suck on the back end. No. Harley Haskinen might be the best defensive pairing that we have as well. I mean, I think if you're if you're playing on a video game and you turn off line changes, right? Haskinen and Harley is the pairing that you that you run. Because yeah. you're right, like neither one of those players is a defensive liability. In, in fact, <laughs> until until last season's explosion, the argument around Haskinen was well, yeah, but he's so good defensively, you don't need 60 points. And then now you get that too. So, Yeah. No, it's a, I, I'm very pleasantly happy on the defensive end. At some point, we're going to need to figure out how we get the most out of Nils Lundqvist. I was just going to say, it's it's better than you'd think. He's, you know, I know we're talking about, we just went through the top five. Lundqvist is eighth with a little over 52 and a half minutes, which honestly, it's about, about three minutes less per night than Hawk and Pie in sixth place, about, you know, three and a half minutes less than Suter in fourth place. So even though we're not necessarily talking about, you know, he's not, he is, he is doing just fine right now in terms of his, uh, you know, he's getting on the ice. He's getting consistent. Lundquist, I, I mean, is getting consistent time on the ice. He's had about five minutes on the power play, which as a, as you know, power play two, that's something you want. You'd like to see some points. You'd like to see, I, I don't think he has, I'm, I'm browsing natural stat trick. Uh, I took a look or before we got on the podcast. I don't think Lundquist has, has been credited with anything like high danger chances or, you know, I don't think he's created anything um, quite yet, but you know, again, 
team hasn't lost in regulation. They're not giving up a ton of goals, right? It's not like it's not like the defensive unit is struggling, I would say. So the fact that these guys are playing a lot, the fact that the team is accumulating points, and the fact that the defense isn't a you know glaring issue is probably about as good as fans could have expected out of that unit at this point in the season. Yeah, I mean, my biggest concern with with Lundqvist is that if you pair him with Lindell, it leaves you two guys who don't move the puck. And, and they've been caught in the defensive end, and their just general shooting and possession numbers look look pretty bad. Yeah. So, you know, at, at some point, I think it's probably worthwhile taking a look at going back with uh, with Lundqvist and Suter. We we have a pretty good track record there. It's not great, but it's not miserable. And and seeing what you can get out of out of Haskinen and Lindell. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an option, and I, I do. I think as well as the season progresses, as DeBoer gets more comfortable, my instinct is that we will see a lot more situationally of Harley Haskinen in games where Dallas really needs to load up a unit. You know, I don't think we'll see it often because you want to be able to put those guys on separate lines and have have one of them out all the time. But I think if if Harley continues on his current trajectory and keeps doing what he's doing, then it's, it's going to be awfully appealing to get into those critical game situations, either, you know, tied trailing or, or ahead and think, OK, well, we're going to put this pair out there, you know, for a while, especially like if, if you can get Lundqvist to the point where he, you know, where they want him to be in terms of of contributing as a puck mover, you could almost that that's when all of a sudden you can afford to, you know, mess with some line pairings. So you can throw Haskin and Harley out there, use Lundqvist as the next, you know, next puck mover up, and then, you know, go back to your normal pairings with Haskin and Harley apart. And you probably won't be too playing too many dangerous games with fatigue. Yeah. I mean, uh, my ideal situation here, I think, is tight game coming down to the end. And I'm seeing Haskinen and Harley on the ice together instead of Lindell and Hockenbach. It seems like a good pulled goalie pairing because they'll be able to get possession and, and progress the puck out of the zone, right? Release the pressure. Whereas, yep. you know, with with Lindell and Hockenpah and Suter, I'll throw him in there as well. They have that that's more of a take the middle away, block shots, let the forward sort it out grouping, which can be effective too, but you know, sometimes the best play is to get the puck away from the net. That sounds good. Defense, we've we've kind of beaten it to its death. So we let's, will. Uh, let's, try, let's take a yeah. break here. Yeah, we'll take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with our brand new gimmick segment. So be ready for a tire fire, folks. All right. We are back. Thank you, KT, for working a little radio magic. Mark, we've been talking about this for a while in Slack, and um, – it might work and it might not. And we're going to, we're just going to forge ahead and we're going to see for those of you listening, this is the point where we're going to talk about a couple of moments um, of, across the star season, a couple of clips, a couple of highlights. And so you'll need to find again, your, your NHL licensed replay and or highlight machine to kind of watch along with what we're talking about. But we have each selected a play, a little segment from the star season to date. We're going to talk a little bit about what we see, what it might mean, you know, kind of how, how, how it teaches about the stars. And Mark, do you want to go ahead and lead off with, with your club? Yeah, I'll, I'll lead off. And here I, I have my fingers crossed. I think uh, we can maybe get KT to, to be able to link these in the, uh, in the DVD post, which would be a nice convenient place for them. So cross our fingers. Uh, that way it's easy to follow along. But anyway, my my clip here is uh, is one with uh, just over ten minutes left in the third period against Vegas, and it, it's a clip where the Stars' fourth line has been possessing the puck a bit. 
they've just rimmed it around and uh, and Ty Delandria gets into a board battle um, with uh, with Marcia so and ends up losing it uh, not by much but just a little bit but he ends up a little above the puck and so what you end up having is Vegas uh, breaking out with a three on two with uh, Yanni Hockenpah and Thomas Harley back. And if you follow along and take a look at the at the skating path that Delandria takes, he kind of goes nose down and uh, heads toward the middle of the ice. And what this ends up what ends up happening here is that Delandria gets to about the same spot on the ice as Thomas Harley is is already defending. And, and there's one spot where it looks like Harley's even motioning to. Delandria to go off and and pick up the third guy, but I think because Delandria's nose down, just getting back into the play, he doesn't pick that up. And so what you end up have happening is Hockenpah stops the play, but Eichel is able to you know, stop and get a little bit of relief and send a nice little saucer pass across the ice to what is a wide open Marcia so, and just. Barely Thomas Harley gets a little tip on it, which causes the pass to go awry. And, and so it ends up being a no big deal. But I think this is reflective of something that has been a problem for the first three games, where the Stars are giving up some odd man rushes and then are doing an absolute miserable job of sorting out their coverage. And so this should have been a no-brainer. We should have been able to get Delandria back into the play on, on Marsha so. Uh, Harley already had a guy covered. Hockenpah had a guy covered. No big deal. But instead, it turns into what could have been just a, a slam dunk goal in a in a two to one game that would have tied it right on up. Yeah, and, and I agree with all of that. It's it's Oddman coverage. We talked a little bit about. Yes, this team can rely on Jake Ottinger, but that's a situation to me where it's really not necessary. And and to me, that sequence is there's a little bit of game situation awareness involved as well. Because at that point, you know, it's a close game. I think it's inside 10 minutes in the third period. Dallas is still ahead. And in a vacuum, it's not like I, I it's not like um it's not like Delandria is making a bad play. He's not doing something stupid, right? It is a you know, if the they have had an extended sequence in the offensive zone, the puck that's coming out isn't hard. It isn't, you know, it's exposed. There is an angle across the the Vegas player to get to that puck to keep it in maintain possession. Good things happen when you maintain possession. So in a vacuum, I think it is very defensible for a forward to say, I can I can maybe jump this, keep the puck deep, and keep it away from my goalie. I don't think that that in and itself is a, is a bad thing. It's To me, it's more, again, that late in the game, playing against a team like Vegas that the last couple times you played him, you had a little bit of trouble holding a lead at the end of games. I think I would have liked to see Delandria be a little bit more conservative, and instead of trying to jump across the front of a, of a Golden Knight to get to that puck, I think that's a sequence where maybe you can stay behind him, stay 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 goal side right of him, and yes, you sacrifice potentially retaining the puck deep in the offensive zone, but I think the trade-off is you could have mucked that sequence up in the neutral zone, right, prevented it from ever turning into a rush, and given the entire team time to get back and reset. And again, I don't like that all the time, right? If Dallas is trailing, if it's tied, there there are certainly situations where what I just described is the wrong play. But again, with a lead against a good team on the road late in the game, I think that maybe discretion is the better course of valor. Yeah, and here, I mean, I think the other option is that is that if Delandria can get to the puck just slightly ahead, instead of going into a board battle, just send it back down 
Yeah. Uh, you're you're the fourth line. You're on with the first line. Uh, go do a line change. That's that's a great call out as well, right? Is understanding who you're matched up against. And I, it's it's if it's not Delandria versus Eichel, right? If it's not if it's not a one v four situation, then maybe my perspective is a little bit different. But again, that's the sort of thing. That's just a little a little mental thing that turns into a three on one going the other direction and requires Thomas Harley to make a, a really good play. And it looks and because it doesn't manifest in a shot, right? Because the puck wobbles, because it winds up in the boards, it doesn't necessarily leap off the screen at you as an uh oh moment. Yeah, but I mean I it probably doesn't even really count is. as a high danger scoring chance. No, he never gets a shot off, right? But yeah. I think it being honest, like it is. That's that is a very dangerous moment against a very dangerous team that could have gone poorly for the stars. All right. Well, the next clip is going to be easier to find. It's at just about four and a half minutes in the first period. Troy Terry's goal against the Dallas Stars. We'll break that one down. And one confession, this is a version two recording. About three quarters of the way through the explanation, you're gonna hear me talk a lot about Leo Carlson. Uh, I got confused. Troy Terry scored, not Carlson. Everything else, bang on. Excellent analysis. Mark was perfect as always. But when I say Carlson, either take a shot or just correct yourself mentally. Back to the analysis. And Mark, I want to talk about coverage because I remember watching this one in real time and thinking, you know, as the puck is going in, as as Carlson is curling on the wall to take his shot, you see Ryan Suter standing in the middle covering pretty much nobody. I think he gets a he gets a petulant slash at the player on the Ducks right wing side. And really, that's about the sum total of his contribution. So I remember my first blush, my first response reading this play because I, you know, been conditioned by the discourse a little bit. But my first response was, oh, number 20, here we go again. But then I started watching and wondering, you know, Miro is drifting between the faceoff dots and hence is nowhere to be found. And it, it, it kind of occurs to me like Ryan Suter got stuck in a situation where he had to cover two players and those two players split to went to to go to opposite sides of the net. So the the more that I watch that sequence, the less that I think it's some kind of glaring, you know, suitor error and more like was this the team getting out cycled or did the mistake happen somewhere else? Yeah, I, I, I like the sequence in that what what ends up happening is First of all, within the forward group, you have uh, you have mixed lines. You have Pavelski and Hints out on on the ice with, I believe, Sam Steele. And, I, and, and you, you mentioned, I believe you're right from our pre-chat, Mark, looking back at the timestamps. I believe this occurred during the sequence where Jason Robertson was in the room getting checked out. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. And, and so what ends up happening is that on the cycle here, it looks like you're, you're maintaining a man-to-man at least for part of it, hints hints is on the puck carrier, and he and he's and engaged right when the puck is he, initially behind the goal line. Hints is or yep. sorry, uh, Haskinen's on it. But as it pops out, hints picks up coverage, and then and then the puck starts working its way around the top, and hints has a choice because his his man passes the puck and then cuts down the crease, and and what hints does is he starts to follow, but then he changes his mind and goes to contest the puck that's out at the uh, out kind of middle middle blue line. And that, I think, confused Haskinen, or at least it wasn't a good read with Haskinen because Haskinen wasn't really covering anybody at that point, but it left him in a position where you have a, a forward coming down from the Ducks who's away from Haskinen, and Haskinen doesn't have have a good way to go cover him. 
And, yeah, and it looks so like that, Haskinen is watching the he's watching the point shot, kind of waiting for something to react to. Yep. And so that's what ends up causing the two on one with with Suter. And then Suter just kind of stays in the middle and doesn't doesn't follow the eventual goal scorer out. He was originally covering the the net front guy. The net front guy pops out and, and, and the guy who originally had the puck is coming down the crease and ends up taking the other post. And, and Suter just kind of stays in the middle and and I'm assuming trying to stay out of the eyes of Ottinger. And, and I yes. think Haskin is doing a, somewhat the same thing. If he stacks himself in the middle, he's he's going to he's going to be a distraction for Ottinger. So again, he's staying to a side which ends up leading to bad coverage. Yeah, and and I think you're right. For me, upon multiple reviews, it does look like Suter's trying to avoid getting himself into a shooting lane and it looks like he's also trying to at the very least, prevent the um, the passing lane across the net, right? So for me, it looks to me that Ryan Suter is trying to, first off, trying to figure out who Miro is going to cover. Second off, trying to be mindful of his goaltender sight lines, right? Do I, because what's the old, the old razorism, right? If you're going to block the shot, or this may be Ludwig, sorry. If you're going to block the shot, you have to block the shot, right? Yeah. So I think, you know, what his, his options are, he could have, Suter could have charged out at the shooter and doing so, enters the possibility that he's a screen. It also enters the possibility to pass across the net, right? It, that move would take Ryan Suter out of the play, right? At that point, he either blocks the shot or he doesn't block the shot, and he's really not going to be able to contribute to what happens next. So I think his second option would be to even more egregiously fade to the guy on the far post and almost concede that shot at the expense of taking the far post out of the play. And that that might have worked, but it might have also given Carlson, he didn't end up needing it, right? But it might have given Carlson you know, a, a time to take another step to get a better shot. It would have given him even more time and space in a dangerous area. And so it really does look like Suter is trying to split the baby here and he knows he can't cover anybody 100%. So he's trying to cover as much of what's left as he can, hoping for help somewhere else that never really shows up. Right. The read ends up being a lot like a, like a two on one where, where you have the defender just, absolutely defending the pass because you know that it's one-on-one on the goaltender and that's probably the right read so again all, all of this stuff is having boom 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 like this so uh, you know it, it's instinct that's taking over but in this case i would i would give the benefit of the doubt to Suter. Suter uh Suter probably did what he should have there. I would say he's probably coached. That's that's probably you know most coaches right take the shot. Most you know, talk to most coaches yep. they want you taking the shot or sorry taking the pass. Talk to most goalies they want you taking the pass right. It's it's leave the simple thing, take away the hard thing because yeah Carlson made a great shot and scored, but if he gets a clean pass across, I believe it was Troy Terry, um, but if he gets a clean cross a, a clean pass across to the other duck. That's a no hoper for Ottinger, right? So at least the shot that Jake can see is a shot that he can maybe stop. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. The real issue here, and, and we don't know the X's and O's, we don't know why it happened, but it was that that handoff between, you know, at the beginning of the play, Hintz and Haskinen both had a man in coverage. And at some point they bobbled the handoff and, you know, they, they got out cycled, they got confused, something, something happened. And maybe it's just as simple as saying the ducks forwards made a great play, but it looks like the genesis of this goal was on a, a coverage miscue from, from Hintz and Haskinen. Yeah. Yeah. I fully agree. So well, that was fun. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And hopefully we'll, we'll keep, we're, we're not, hopefully we're going to keep doing that. We'll find some other plays. They won't always be, you know, mine was pretty obvious. It was a goal against, but I thought it was given, given the way that we discussed the Dallas's defensive core, I thought it was interesting to, 
you know, to call it something. It's not, it's not always as cut and dry as, well, something bad happened. It must be Ryan Suter's fault. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It it, might, listen, it might've been, we don't know what DeBoer tells them to do, but uh, in this case, I don't think it's as simple as that. Yeah. And some of this, you know, in, in the future, maybe what we need to do is, is kind of lead ourselves into what kind of clips we're looking for. This, this I, I picked my clip just because I'd seen some uh, some issues on coverage, and so this one just kind of popped out to me as as I was rewatching the game and said, "Yeah, that's that's completely indicative of of the problem that I've been seeing." Um, and, you know, if, if we if we see problems, let's maybe call ourselves out, if nothing else, in Slack and uh, and and get some thematic uh, examples going. I mean, that's what I did, right? I've I've been banging the the suitor drum this yeah. season and like i said my my first blush seeing that goal was to yell you know yell 20 at the screen i was mad at i was mad at ryan and then i i took a second took a deep breath watched the replay and the more i watched it the more i thought i think i think perhaps i was overreacting and i think perhaps i was looking in the wrong spot for a reason that this happened so it was a uh, that was interesting to me because i i would imagine that a lot of fans probably had a similar reaction to mine when they saw that the first time I, I think we're about ready to to go watch some uh, yeah, Flyers yeah, hockey. You know, it wouldn't be a, a stargazing podcast, Mark, without me forcing you to put a a prediction into the universe. So, big game against Philadelphia uh, tonight. And uh, what what's you know maybe you know maybe give me give me the score and give me one other random thing you think is going to happen. Well, I think that uh, the Stars are on a progression, so they score four goals. <laughs> and uh and and philadelphia is philadelphia's fourth line is going to uh get into a fight with somebody Ooh. now with themselves or with the stars i'm guessing with the stars i'm and i'm probably gonna guess delorier yeah. no no why watch out delorier probably won't even play now but uh, i'm gonna say delorier is gonna get into it with mason marchman I feel like that. I mean, that that fits, right? March needs to. He's got the the goal that got waved off, but he. It would be nice for him to have a a moment in this early season and kind of get a little bit of momentum going. So I like that. What do What do you think about the result? I think uh, well, if the Stars score four, my God, they gotta win. <laughs> I mean, we 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 win games when when we score one. Let alone four. I think I like that. I like that. I, I agree with you. I think it will be stars win the the prediction for me. And, and this is just based on nothing, absolutely nothing, but just gut. As I sit here, I think we're going to get a big Wyatt Johnston game. I think he has been one of the stars better forwards so far this season. Um, and it hasn't quite manifested on the score sheet yet. So I think this is the night where we see something from him where, you know, tangible production starts to catch up with behind the hood stuff and I think we see a we see an impressive Wyatt Johnston performance. Okay, well, it's a as KT is pointing out, you'll know how stupid we are when this thing goes up I because love it. The, the game will be way in your memory by then. So well, there we go. Uh, okay, we we're recording about five different versions of each of our predictions, and so <laughs> if we're wrong, we're really wrong because we we went zero for five. Just may yeah, just KT, make sure to drop the right one in. Not not my not my Scott Wedgwood shutout take. <laughs> well thank well, you i know it's saturday I, I morning say, where you what, are mark I, uh, we'll get you back into i, your I have day. one final thought yeah one do final it. thought uh, it, go go check out highlights of uh, of dallas stars lean bixel having his first hockey fight and and then as a result uh getting a three-game suspension so uh 
Uh, apparently, apparently, you don't get large suspensions for leaving the penalty box once you've been put in there by the ref uh, in, in Sweden. So, uh, lesson learned. We will. We, I think you you even talking. So, just some future state stuff. We're obviously, we're back on the regular schedule. We did the um, the the stat cast. I know, Mark, you're planning right now. We're working on timing, but you're going to sit down and do a Texas Stars centric cast here in the coming days so lots of lots of really good stuff from radio stargazing fans so thank you for listening as always mark um love your your insight and thoughtfulness kt for making this all coherent enough to listen to and we will speak soon